morning. Good morning. Am I loud enough? Yes. You can hear me in the back. Okay, good. So good to be with you today. Uh, it was a year ago this Sunday that we had the privilege of being with you and uh, so enjoyed the fellowship and the time together. I have noticed a few changes that have taken place um, that kind of took me off guard. When I walked in this morning, uh, somebody stopped me and said, you're preaching. I said, yes. And they said, well, first you have to get the blessing of Father McKenzie. <laughs> and, and I I said, oh, you mean Wally? Ah, 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 it's Father McKenzie to you. <laughs> so having got the blessing, that, that was good. Wally and I go back a long, long ways. Good friend in the Lord. But that wasn't the most traumatic thing that happened to me. Because before we left, ever left, the, and by the way, I thank uh, Gary and Michelle for their hospitality, but we were just about to leave the house to come to the service. And Gary gets really, really excited. And he says, you can't wear that shirt to church. And, and he gave me this purple shirt, which I, I suppose is fine. But uh, I said, what? He said, well, we have a strict standard and dress code rules. You cannot wear that shirt to church. And I brought the shirt with me this morning. I, I don't understand at all why it was such forbidden fruit. But here's the shirt I was going to wear to church. And he said, brother... If you value your life, don't wear that shirt to church. Oh, no, no. Just Johnny Cash. Okay. If you have your Bibles, please, would you open them to Philippians, your Bibles or your electronic devices, whatever you got. Philippians chapter 3. What... With the help of God, we'll be looking at this morning. Let me just pray for a moment. Father God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for grace. And again, as has been prayed, open your word to us. God, I pray that I would not get in your way. Indeed, Lord, it is your Holy Spirit who teaches us. May we just be totally open and see what you would have us to see, hear what you would have us to hear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is, is talking about his personal spiritual journey. And in verse 12, he basically says this, I've got a lot of room for improvement. He says, I, I haven't reached it. I haven't made yet. He, he's a long way from being perfect, a long way from being complete. And then he gets to verse 13, and he does not consider himself as having made it. However, he's on his way, and he gives some very practical advice reflecting on his spiritual journey and indeed teaching for our spiritual journey. In the middle of verse 13, he says, this one thing I do, forgetting 
what lies behind. Today I want to talk about forgetting, and specifically forgetting in a spiritual context. And I've entitled the message, Spiritual Amnesia. What I want to do is to look at what the Apostle Paul had to forget in his life and what would be the significance of, of those things. But more than just a historical review of the life of the Apostle Paul, and his circumstances, his conditions, his situations in life, I believe there's a spiritual application for all of us <coughs> where we need to do some forgetting. So with this in mind, I want you to consider with me what Paul had to forget. If you're the one who counts the minutes and the points until the sermon's over, I've got seven points this morning, so we've got a ways to go, but you'll get excited when I say number six or whatever. <laughs> First thing Paul had to forget was his history, <coughs> and specifically the history of his sin. We've got to remember that Paul was not always... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> he was not always a godly apostle. Before his conversion in Acts chapter 9, he was quite active working against the kingdom of God. Now, let's review for a minute what takes place in the book of Acts. The book of Acts op opens up. And it's exciting days. It's the ascension of Jesus. It's the birth of the church. People are getting saved like crazy. And it's incredible. And, and it goes that way through the first six chapters. And then we get to chapter 6. You get to chapter 7. And there's a guy named Stephen. And he preaches one incredible message. If you've never read it, I encourage you. Take the time to read Stephen's message. But his message didn't go over so well with a lot of people. In fact, they stoned him. They stoned him to death. At the end of that passage, it says, And there was one standing by, giving consent, approving of what they're doing. If you could imagine, please, one Saul who became Paul. And he said, Yeah, hit him, hit him again. Get a bigger rock. Don't kill him. Stoning. That's the end of chapter 7. Chapter 8, it said then persecution broke out in the church. And that was sort of the kickoff, that stoning of Stephen. Chapter 9, we have Paul, who's very enthusiastic, persecuting Christians. He's on the road to Damascus, and that's where he, he sees the light. Jesus speaks to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? <coughs> Excuse me. Paul realized from the get-go that he was a sinner. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he Romans, wrote in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and he said, I am the chief of sinners. Now, some people, some commentators deal with that and say, well, that was just hyperbole. He, he really wasn't that bad of a guy, you know. But Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. And I, I don't know that it was hyperbole. 
when Paul wrote Forgetting What Lies Behind, part of what he's referring to is the sin in our lives we put behind us. Spiritual amnesia, if you please. It's not that we're not able to cognitively recall something, but we don't dwell on it. It doesn't weigh us down. We don't focus on us. Once we're saved, one of Satan's tricks is to come to you and constantly remind you of your sin. He can no longer own you. That's not going to happen. You're in the Father's hands. You can't be taken out of the Father's hands. But he might come to you to remind you of your sins in the past. Maybe something incredibly dumb that you've done. Maybe it's something you you said. Maybe it was a very intentional uh, evil act, whatever it was. And he keeps bringing that up. Let me ask you this morning. I don't know very few of you. But let me ask you, is there something in your life that you lament? That you regret? That residually you go, uh, go over and over and over again in your mind? And it's not just sins before you were saved. First John uh, tells us, First John 9, John's writing to believers and he said, if we confess our sins. So we're talking to believers and non-believers here. Again, those sins need to be forgotten. In John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus talks about our joy being complete or full in him. And this theme's picked up again in 1 John and in 2 John. There is no joy in reliving sin. Does that mean we minimize the, the seriousness of sin? No, not at all. But we don't have to carry the weight or the guilt once our sins are put under the blood of Jesus. I've heard people say, God couldn't forgive me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the evil. You, you don't know. No, I, I don't want to know. I don't have to know. That's not the point. Didn't know we were going to look at Psalm 103 this morning. That's great. Isn't it great to serve a God of coincidence? <laughs> Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, or I guess that's east. Anyhow, so far has he removed our iniquities from us. Listen, my friend. If you don't walk away with anything else that, that I'm trying to say this morning, remember this. You cannot out the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Paul had to forget his history of sin. Secondly, he had to forget his, his heritage. Earlier in Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about some of the reasons he would have to be confident, as Paul put it, confident in the flesh. In other words, from a human standpoint, Paul had some impressive credentials in Israeli society. Note in verse 5, if you've got your Bibles open, Philippians 3. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. That, that put him a little higher there. From the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee. He, was, he, he tells us in Acts chapter 22 that he was educated under Gamaliel. Basically, that was tantamount to having an Ivy League education. I mean, Paul was, was really up there. He had quite a heritage. I was reared in the north, went away to college, 
met the love of my life in college. She was from the South. Now, Jennifer was born in the city of Charleston and reared in Charleston and Savannah and Richmond. If you know anything about history of the war, if you know anything about Southern culture, well, those are credentials. For the past 16 years, we've lived in South Carolina, okay? And I've learned there's some still fighting the war. There's some that, I don't know. But, man, I married a Southern blue blooder. I mean, she, she would say, don't you like collard greens and grits? <laughs> Other things that I'm sure were the forbidden fruit in the garden, just terrible things. But that's Southern. But the interesting thing I've found, now living 16 years in the South, all her Southern credentials haven't done us any good. We've, got, we've never gotten a discount at one place of flies. <laughs> and I say, well, but look at my wife. After the service, she'll show you her tattoos of Charleston and Richmond and so. <laughs> Paul had a heritage behind him. And all that heritage is a welcome loss, Paul said, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. He says that in verse 8. Listen, you may have a heritage. Maybe you've been a member of this church forever. Maybe you were born on a church pew someplace. Maybe you had all those pins for perfect attendance in Sunday school and you had, you had all of those things. Paul's suggestion is to put that in the past. Forgetting what lies behind. May I be perfectly blunt with you this morning. Whatever credentials you may have had behind you don't amount to squat outside of Jesus Christ. Can you say that a little louder? All right. So thankful you're not sleeping on me yet. Number three. Paul had to forget his hardships. Lest we forget, when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, he was in a Roman prison. And, and that, that wasn't the Marriott, folks. I mean, they were cruel. It, it was awful. Historians have written about the prisons at that time. But ironically, he does not write about his hardships. But rather, the theme here in Philippians, he talks about rejoicing. In chapter 2, he talks about our attitude in Christ. He, he talks about growing in his spiritual walk. Why? Because he knows the value of forgetting what lies behind. And this wasn't his only hardship, the, the Roman prison. We look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and Paul gives a long list. I'm going to take a moment to read it for us. Chapter 11, starting verse 24 in 2 Corinthians, he says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He didn't mean tequila there. And once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journey from dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false hardships, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and in thirst. And he goes on and on talking about those hardships. 
But his point there isn't remembering all those things. His point there was showing his weakness compared to his strength in Christ. We need to look at it the same way. Like Paul, maybe you have or have had some real hardships. Maybe you're currently still going through them. Maybe it's more than others could imagine. Maybe few people know about your hardships. The answer is not to have a woe is me attitude. It's not, well, I think I'm going to have a a pity party because I serve Jesus and life is so hard. I can't wear my shirt to church. point is, don't develop a martyr complex. Just follow Jesus. I know that sounds simplistic, but there's value in that principle. Number four, Paul had to forget his handicaps. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul talked about having a thorn in the flesh. Now, some had speculated that, I mean, Paul had a mother-in-law, but Paul wasn't married, so... We'll we'll eliminate that. But when he writes to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, he said, See with what large letters I write to you with my own hand. Many have believed that this has suggested that he had an eyesight problem. Regardless, whatever it was, the sword of flesh, it was a handicap. Acts chapter 18, verse 24 speaks, speaks about the preaching of Apollos. Apollos was an eloquent man. He knew the scriptures. He was very competent. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, talking about Paul, about self, not so much. He, he wasn't the eloquent orator that Apollos was. He says that doesn't matter. We all have handicaps. Some are physical. Some may be emotional. Some may be in, in a different arena in a number of areas. Some handicaps are very obvious. Some are not. The point here is don't focus on your handicaps, your inabilities, your lack of skill. Because if we do that, what we end up doing is we start comparing ourselves with others. And, and that's a game that we can never win. God doesn't intend for us to be comparing ourselves to others or always looking at, oh my, Man, got this handicap. God's expectation of us is based on us doing our best for Him. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatsoever you do, you do it heartily as unto the Lord, and you're not like you're doing it for man. Someone once said, God is more interested in our availability than our ability. And we need to keep that in mind. Oh, God, why... Why can't I preach like Gary George? That's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Why, why can't I do that? Why can't? No. Why am I handicapped? Forgetting what lies behind. Number five. Paul had to forget his human rights. Paul was a Roman citizen. And with that citizenship, certain rights and privileges would have been extended to him. In Acts chapter 16 and later on in Acts chapter 22, 
his enemies were in big trouble because they had him beaten without giving him the proper due justice, the hearing that was entitled to a Roman citizen. Claiming your rights as a citizen can be related to your spiritual, emotional, and sometimes material well-being. It all lends to the desire to survive well. I've got my rights. We live in a culture that's very focused on survival. Uh, I heard the other day, I don't really watch it, but the TV show is renewed again for this season, Survivor. It's coming back. Uh, I was asked once by the American Cancer Society to participate in a a thing they had, and and they had a t-shirt for me that said, I'm a survivor. Now, I had cancer as a young man. I didn't want to wear that shirt, not because I was afraid Gary would catch up with me. God touched my body. It's not like I did anything. I'm a survivor. We're, We're getting down to the end of baseball season, and people are talking about, Who's going to survive to make it in the playoffs? Everything around us is it's about surviving. But in God's kingdom and his economy, it doesn't work that way. Paul wrote to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die? Wait, wait, that, that's not surviving. No, that's not what it's about in the kingdom of God. Paul was saying... I'm okay with dying. I'm okay with not surviving. Paul was saying, I'm okay with giving up all my my human rights that go with citizenship. Forgetting it all. Proof of that, I believe, is found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. A few verses lower than what we're looking at. Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to forget about our political, our social, our worldly rights, and focus on our spiritual privileges as children of the King. We lived in Costa Rica for a year where we went to language school. One day I'm, uh, I'm downtown, and they, they caught a fellow doing some crime or something, and the crowd just pounced on him. And the police were there, and they're beating this guy terribly. And I, I, I was shocked. And I had heard of these things. It, it was an accepted norm. And the first thing that popped into my mind is, well, they never do that to me. I've got my rights. And then it hit me. I'm not a citizen of Costa Rica. I have an American passport. I don't have rights. If our citizenship is in heaven and we truly believe that, those rights are history. Forgetting what lies behind. Number six. And all God's children said? Okay, we're at number six. No matter where you live, People are going to disappoint you. 
And Paul had to forget his human disappointments. It's one of those things in life that always comes along. Paul's excited. He goes out and starts his first missionary journey. gets Acts chapter 13, verse 13. And some young buck named John Mark deserts him. Paul didn't take that lightly, and I know that because two chapters later in, Mark cha- in Acts chapter 15, Paul's getting ready to go on his second missionary journey with Barnabas, and well, good old Barney says, hey, let's take John Mark again. He says, no, there is no way. In fact, a sharp division came up between the two of them. And Paul took Silas, went one way, and Barnabas and Mark went another way. It all worked out for the glory of God because it doubled their missionary efforts. But my point is, Paul was really disappointed in John Mark. But he learned to forget what lies behind because later on in his journey, he said, Oh, and bring John Mark with you. He is of value. I want him to have it. What took place? Paul was able to forget what was lying behind. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul talks about one named Demas. He said, Demas deserted me. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14, he said, Alexander the coppersmith, he did me much harm. In the south, we would say, he'd done me dirty. Disappointments. Even in this book, if we move on to the next chapter, chapter 4 in Philippians, there's two ladies in the church that are just clashing and causing all kinds of trouble in the church. Euodia and Syntyche. That would have been a disappointment to Paul. All of these represent the idea of being hurt by someone close to you. Profoundly disappointed. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's somebody in this church. Maybe it's a pastor you've had or whatever. Put those things in the past. It's part of forgetting what lies behind. Because it If you don't forget and you keep dwelling on it, that that thing you resented, the, the thing about resentment, it never stays resentment. It keeps growing and building and resentment will turn into bitterness. And you remember what the author of Hebrews in 12.15 says about bitterness. We're not to have it. Forget about those disappointments. And finally, number seven. He had to forget about his honors. His honors. Paul was an apostle. Now, that is quite a title. We can count very easily the number who were apostles that ever walked on this earth. He had a lot of victories. He had a lot of successes. He was a successful missionary. He was a successful church planter. He was a successful discipler. Look at Timothy. Look at Titus. Ones that, that he discipled. Sometimes, occasionally, honors will come our way, and that's okay. But the fun, funny thing about being honored is we might enjoy it, etc., but we cannot afford to park our minds there. Because if we do, any honor that comes our way, instead of giving the glory to God, we point it to ourselves. We need to forget the honor itself and remember the God who graciously had that thing happen or accomplishment take place in our lives. I grew up a baseball fan and occasionally, uh, you'll forgive me, uh, we'd go see the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
And we can never afford to sit anywhere near the field. I mean, nosebleed section or, or beyond, we'd be as far as away. I was excited to go to the game. It was fine. But I never really had a good seat. Fast forward years later, the missionaries in Ecuador where they had bullfights. Now, the exchange rate from the dollar was, was very strong. And where I could never afford a good seat at a baseball game in the States, I got a front row seat at a bullfight. Maybe some of you are offended by bullfights, but it was awesome. I, <laughs> I'm blood splashing up. It was great. So appreciated the front row seat. You know, when God gives us honors, it's not about us. It's about some working that He's doing in His kingdom. And I always like to say, if we happen to be associated with God uses us in that, God is just giving us a front row seat to see what He is doing. And not that anything we do in ourselves. So once again, forgetting what lies behind. So, question begs to be asked, how do we forget the things that we need to forget? It is not some sort of mind over matter exercise that we do. It's not some mental exercise for self-improvement. It is not having a I don't care attitude no, we do care. We do lament our sin. We repent of our sin. But the truth of the matter is we do not have the power nor the capacity to forget those things that lie behind. It's only done by the power of God's grace. And so we need to pray and ask for in that accord. We need to remember that chapter 13 or, I'm sorry, verse 13. Forgetting what lies behind is a prerequisite for what's the next thing Paul says. I push forward. I move on. I think our enemy would want us to weigh us down and keep us to the place where we can't move on. He does that by us not forgetting what lies behind. Pressing forward to what lies ahead. We all need that. God's people said? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that you understand how our minds work. You understand, Lord, and revealed through Paul how we could get trapped and just always looking back and always lamenting and always in great sorrow and not having the joy you intended us to have. Lord, I don't know my friends here where, where they are in their spiritual journey, but if there is one or more than one within the sound of my voice that struggles with that, may they depend on the power of your Holy Spirit to truly make things history in their lives so that you might receive the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.